Join us for Courageous Conversations on August 1st and 2nd. Why? Because we want to demonstrate how to have these conversations on very difficult topics. Many things that we learn are caught, not taught. What better way to catch them than watching 28 scholars and pastors from all across the country doing it? Because I believe that believers should be on the forefront of this. In a divided world, the church should lead on how to have courageous conversations. The goals of Courageous Conversations are simple. We want to get beyond the caricatures that divide us. We want to sharpen one another. We want to build genuine relationships with those who think differently. We want to provide a safe space for dialogue and demonstrate how to effectively discuss controversial issues with people who think differently and to show the world the diversity of thought within black churches. That's why we're going to talk about those topics relevant for the church and the culture like hell, Paul sexual ethics, how to interpret the Old Testament, things we know that they disagree on, but to have a respectful conversation to demonstrate something that I think that the church should be leading on, how to have courageous conversations. So join us on August 1st and 2nd in Atlanta, Georgia for the second annual Courageous Conversations. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today, before we get into today's episode, make sure uh, you register for Courageous Conversations 2019. Remember, it's August 1st and 2nd. Uh, it The early bird registration expires on June 1st, so take advantage of the early bird registration right now um, before it goes up. Uh, you could do so at CourageousConvos.org or you could go to G3Project.com. There's a link there to also that will take you to CourageousConvos.org. Um, again, make sure you register. We want to see you in the place. It's going to be an amazing time. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today we have someone who's no stranger to the G3 Project. Um, she's This is her third time being with us, um, Dr. Monique Gatson. Welcome, Dr. Gatson. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again, Lisa. I always enjoy my time when we get together here. <laughs> You're going to be our resident therapist. <laughs> um, before we get into today's topic, just give for those who may this may be their first time hearing you on the podcast, just give them a little bit more about who you are. Okay, so I am a licensed professional counselor and I also have um done work and research in marriage and family therapy. So I have done counseling for a church uh, for 16 years now and just feel like God has called me to um, counsel the church, uh, not only the church, meaning the system, the organization, but also those individuals, all of us who comprise of the church. Um, I do believe that there are unique dynamics that we as Christians need to explore when we are going into counseling to discuss issues that are surrounding our faith um, that even have us questioning our faith at times. So um, I just feel like that's the corner of the world the Lord has asked me to try to take care of. And that's what I try to do as diligently as I can. Um, I'm married. I have two wonderful girls and I just um, love all things Alabama football. But that's just a little plug I don't think I've ever put in there beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. So that's new new information for me. Um, I, I'm a Florida State fan, so I, uh, I'm i on a different, uh, different, different state, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, we're going to talk today about faith trauma, church hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and I got that the uh, the term faith trauma from BJ Thompson. I saw him tweet that. So I want to give him his, I don't want to steal his uh, coin term. Um, but uh, the most, I guess, known term for it is church hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason we're talking about this today is because Megan Good recently, they asked her about some kind of way they got on her church attendance. And she was like, she really doesn't go to church anymore because church folks could be so judgmental. And um, you know, 
a lot of people were retweeting like, yes, I agree. I experienced fake trauma. I experienced uh, hypocrisy, all of these things at the hands of the church. And so my timeline was divided. It was people who were saying, yes, this is why I don't go to church anymore. Mm -hmm. And then there were people who were saying, "Um, let's talk about the ways in which churches helped. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting. And I've been myself over the years, my response to church hurt has always been like, okay, that's that happened, but you know, you get hurt in other spaces and you you don't leave, or you know, what are the many ways the church has helped the community as a knee-jerk response? And I it's in the last few years <laughs> I've noticing that's not been the most helpful. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that I think about it now is like us as black people, we we're we the hashtag among us is Black Lives Matter. And I use it frequently. And I'm very irritated when the response is all lives matter, right? Because it's like, I'm not saying all lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that in our country, Black lives haven't mattered um, to the majority of, mm-hmm. of the population. Mm-hmm. And so um, because of that, um, police brutality runs rampant in our communities and we're trying to bring awareness. Mm-hmm. And... I think we in turn sometimes don't realize that we sometimes as Christians, when people bring church hurt to us, we have a kind of all lives matter response to it. We're like, oh, well, my church has done this, this, this. Mm -hmm. My church has helped me here, here, here. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're minimizing the fact that they're not saying churches has church hasn't been helpful to some but for them, it was an extremely toxic place mm-hmm. and they have damage and hurt, um, some abuse um, at the hands of leaders. We've had um, a friend of mine that was on here um, that has HIV and he talks about how his first ex- one of his first experiences came from an elder at a church. So people have those toxic experiences. Mm-hmm. We, you know, so we. We have to consider that just because it was helpful for you doesn't mean it was toxic for somebody else. And those two things can be true at the same time, that the church could be extremely helpful and the church could be extremely harmful all at the same time in one church. Yes. Um, and so navigating that. Um, so how do you think, you know, when you're thinking through this and thinking through what I just said, how how what is your first like response or how how are you thinking about it? Yeah, I think that um, because when we minimize, that is a defense mechanism. Uh, it is a defense mechanism in in operation. And then we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we are feeling the need to defend against? And I think it is, as you're saying, the, the um, well, what about the good things? <laughs> you know, if we say this one thing, will this one thing kind of overarch all of the other good things? Will it be like this black smear that just, you know, totally blots out every other good aspect of what, um, you know, the church has done. And I think that we have to uh, be mindful, as you are saying, that sometimes it can be, and most times it is a both and, it's not an an either or. Um, I, I think about the body, um, I, I was going back and kind of reviewing the, the whole passage in 1 Corinthians about the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is made up of many members, many members. And, and it talked about, you know, if the foot says I'm not a foot, does that mean I'm not a part of the body? I mean, you know, so the thing is, there are many members within this body. And because there are many members, the uh, and I can take my, my own body as an example, and I can say, unfortunately, you know, my orthopedic doctor has told me that there is arthritis in my right knee. Okay, so do I now say my whole body is arthritic? Do I now say my whole body is no longer of use just because there is arthritis in this right knee? Do I say, oh no, my knee does not have arthritis in it because I don't have arthritis in other parts of my body. So we sometimes we do have this mindset that it has to be one or the other and we don't encompass this both and thinking and approach when we are 
you know, hearing about these kind of um, these kind of issues. So it's, it's, it's a defense mechanism. And then the other dynamic that is in operation is this this concept of bypass. Um, and when we talk about it more so in the faith community, we are talking about spiritual bypass. So again, there is this opportunity where we are wanting to kind of keep our focus on things spiritually and we spiritualize whatever it is that someone is saying to us. So we might say, okay, well, when I came to church, I had a really bad experience. Um, I've been hurt and I will get on social media. I will talk about it. I will hashtag it with my church hurt. And yes, then to have someone to come and respond and say, but, you know, hashtag church help is definitely minimizing and belittling in some ways and also ignoring my experience. And what we are trying to do here is we are trying to find ourselves kind of getting around the bad things. You know, what we want to do is say, okay, that was your experience. You said it, but now. Let's think about all of the good things. And what we don't do is we don't create space and we don't hold space long enough for people to share these experiences and these encounters. And we don't allow ourselves to be uncomfortable with their discomfort and their hurt and you know, these negative experiences that they've had. So that is one of the dynamics that can operate in the faith community. It's this whole concept of spiritual bypass, where again, we want to spiritualize things. We want to kind of just hold up the good, you know, and, and, and use that to kind of blanket, if you will, these experiences and traumas that other people have experienced. And that's usually to the detriment of that individual but what we don't really understand is that if the body is many parts, we're also doing this to the detriment of the body. Mm. And I think another component that comes out to me and I think of is I think one of the outcries for it is because there's a lack of accountability a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So there is no justice. Mm -hmm. In situations, um, I can remember me going through a, a situation I shared on the episode we did. I did with BJ on reaching Black millennials and a relationship, a dating relationship that I was in with a preacher, and it came out that he was a a, a very deceptive, manipulative person. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that bothered me on the tail end was that people once everything came out about this and it was known in the city that this person was like this, mm -hmm. people still allowed him to lead and preach. Mm -hmm. And so for those who were victims, you know, friends and other people that may have been in re dating relationships with him um, that didn't, th we felt slighted because it's kind of like where's the accountability where's the justice mm -hmm. for this person and so I think one of the things that many people are crying out for is that justice mm -hmm. yeah and I would agree and I think that sometimes we um you know who sometimes when we don't know what to do we do nothing and mm -hmm. you know that is not necessarily, again, the most effective and most helpful uh, response or reaction. And I think that sometimes we just don't know what to do. You're like, how do we take this person? And how do we go and talk to this person and say, hey, what you are doing and how you are doing it is harming members of our body. Um, I know, for example, kind of back to my knee issue, you know, um, my doctor even mentioned to me, do you cross your legs a lot? And I said, well, I, I may. And he said, okay, well, when you do that, you are putting um, pressure on your knee, which is causing problems for your knee, which is, you know, causing problems for the way that you're walking and it's bringing about pain and, you know, all of this. And I said, okay, so what we have to do, especially in spiritual leadership, spiritual leadership has to be ready to kind of think through these things and, and find a way to address it. Now, here goes. <laughs> Sometimes it may not ever be enough 
for people. You know, they may be calling for a person's head on a chopping block when it's like, okay, well, I don't know if that extreme of a solution is necessary. But, and, and again, sometimes when people feel like whatever I do is not going to be enough, they may just kind of revert back to just doing nothing at all. But I do believe that spiritual leadership has to wrestle with this and they have to be ready to think through what is our approach. And if we do hear repeated um, occurrences surrounding um, a certain individual, how do we need to address this? And if we don't address this, then what is that detriment? Again, that is not only to that, that one member, but to the entire body. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that um, one of the things I, 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 th- I think about this is almost kind of comical and embarrassing to have to admit, even as a, as a, as a counselor slash marriage and family therapist, is that there are times when in, in my family, when we're having conflict or, you know, things are just kind of out of order and people are mad with each other and walking around and there's a lot of tension and I'm kind of going, but why is this happening? Like, but I'm a counselor. So like, why is my family dealing with all of this kind of, you know, tension and conflict or whatever the case may be? And I think that I had to, I don't think it, I know it. I had to confront my own thinking that relationships are going to just automatically be um, smooth and loving and full of patience and kindness toward one another just because we're all in the same family we have to I have to I have to teach my girls you know how it is you need to speak to one another do you not know when your sister says this uh when you say this to your sister this is more sensitive for her because she tends to be more sensitive about this issue or this issue or whatever the case may be so we have to also think about it in the church among spiritual leadership just because we're all coming together and just because we are this body that might be um, called whatever the name of the church is, we have this assumption that everybody is going to get along with each other and everybody is just going to love each other and everybody is going to know how to do this. And I do believe that we do have to, um, you know, as the scripture teaches us, how to, um, we have to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body. And we may have to sit down and have, starting with spiritual leadership, training on how do we communicate well? How do we communicate with um, individuals when it's going to be a difficult topic of conversation? Um, How do we address these things such as people having um, you know, a, a traumatic experience or a hurtful experience, or even if they have experienced abuse at the hands of not only, you know, spiritual leadership, but also members within the body. And spiritual leadership, of course, is part of the body, but I hope you understand the distinction that I'm making there. So we we do have to, we have to look at equipping, doing no harm. I, I've, I've done... Um, a couple of writings and a couple of trainings on just doing no harm and just really, again, having to understand and realize how is it that we need to interface and interact with these many members without doing any harm. Now, my disclaimer, caveat here, is we can be trained to do absolutely no harm And if a person has been traumatized severely over time, we have to understand that that individual may find even our attempts at help triggering and for them traumatizing. So I I just also want to kind of just put that there to, you know, help us to understand that sometimes it is a complex trauma that we are working with. And we do have to understand the nuances of working with that or even just addressing and relating to that. But we do at least need to say, we need to train the leadership first and foremost, how to equip the saints. And then those who may be Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, small group leaders, associate ministers, You know, they need to then be trained on how is it that I am supposed to do this work of the ministry to build up the body and not do more harm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard, especially in the African-American community, because <clears throat> there's so much trauma that happens in the community. Mm -hmm. There's so much trauma that we see. We see people gunned down. So that's trauma. Mm -hmm. We have um, people dealing with family trauma. Mm -hmm. um, then we have people having se been um, sexual trauma, all that could happen to them before they're 10 years old. Right. You know, right. all of these experiences. Yes. And then they come to church yes. and inevitably you're going to be triggered. Yes. Even if, like you said, even if people are trying to do no harm. Yes. The trigger is going to happen because there's all of these traumas and it's no tools on how to do deal with them. Yes. So they these things become other compounded triggers mm -hmm. and you're more sensitive mm -hmm. um, to things than you, you probably would be. So it, it adds extra weight on leadership um, to be thoughtful, mm -hmm. um, to not be careless mm -hmm. um, and to be healthy themselves. Right. And that's the challenge. And the other challenge, as you were talking, I was thinking because churches usually have a level of autonomy mm -hmm. it's no real way to hold people accountable on a broad level yeah um and so that's the that's the challenge as well yeah absolutely um you're absolutely right about that um and i think that when you talk about the health of spiritual leadership in and of themselves that's why I'm always about training. You know, we we have to, when we go on jobs, there is usually some level of training. Before I was able to be um, licensed as a professional counselor, I had to do a whole lot of hours of counseling under supervision, under the watchful eye of a supervisor that was approved to supervise me. That means that they are looking for things in my um, mode of counseling that perhaps could be ineffective or definitely could be harmful. And I think that in, in church settings, we fail to implement that. Um, we, 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 we believe like, okay, if, if a person is called to preach or a person wants to lead this group and, you know, if they've been a, been a member of this long or whatever, you know, you can kind of do the little check in the in the list of criteria then okay then here they are without putting them through some level of training again in terms of you know what's going on with you as a counselor I had to go to counseling I had to do counseling because of the fact that I know when I'm engaging with people some of the issues that come to me may trigger things in me that are unresolved or even unknown so we had to go through this um, process of, hey, what's kind of been going on in your life? You know, and usually, again, we kind of want to keep things surface, you know, because in church we, we, we need to present this this image that we're already without spot and that we're already without blemish. So, you know, it becomes, oh, I'm good. You know, everything is fine. I'm happily married and my family and my white picket fence and blah, blah, blah. But if we really need to be about helping the saints to build up the body, we have to be willing to know on an individual level as well as a corporate level that we have issues. We do. And, and you're right. When you talk about this multifaceted and, and you know trauma upon trauma upon trauma, the only way that we're going to start being able to heal and address that is by peeling back one by one. And the way that we have to do that is we have to bring voice to it. We have to be willing to say that we know among our leadership, among our lay leadership, among our congregants, there is abuse and that there are abusers. We have to say that. And then we have to start talking about these are the ways that we are going to try as a, as a church um, body, as a culture, as a atmosphere, as an environment, however you want to term it, these are the ways that we are trying to address those things 
and minimize the impact that it can have on us as individuals. And again, as that translates to us as an entire body. Mm -hmm. One thing, one cool thing that I've seen, um, and maybe this is a way that this could, among leadership, be helpful um, if they are getting help themselves, Mm because if they're not getting help themselves, it won't, it won't Mm -hmm. be helpful. Right. But um, Pastor Tim Ross in Irvine, California, I mean, Irvine, Texas, I'm sorry, um, at Embassy City Church, I believe that's the name of it. Um, Two of my friends go there and they talked about how he got up recently with his therapist and they co-taught on trauma. Wow. And he walked through his some of his traumas he's had to overcome. Um, Him being abused. And he's told the story on I Am Second about him being molested as a child and all of that, the ways in which he had to navigate through that. And it was really helpful to my friends that go there because they were like, wow, if he could be honest about his trauma, Mm -hmm. then I can start to deal with mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we need more of that. I mean, not everybody's going to get up there and sit up there with their therapist and co-teach. I'm not saying everybody should do that. That's right. Um, Because everybody is not equipped to do that. That's right. Um, And everybody's not seeing the therapist to do that. So you don't want to manufacture the moment. Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of transparency from leadership can be helpful sometimes for those who are, have been traumatized in church to get the help they need because then that takes the weight off the leader to be everything. Absolutely. Um, And I I recently heard, um, I think I sent this clip to you. There was a panel and the guy was like, um, you know, I've got healed more in therapy than church. So my, Mm -hmm. my therapist is my pastor Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think people are searching for healing and when they don't get to that church and when they're re-traumatized, they think this isn't, why am I going? This isn't necessary. I'll pray and read at home. I don't need the church because I could just go to therapy. I'm actually getting help in church. I feel like it's not relevant and I'm not getting whole. So why should I be there? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that we, we have to be um, mindful that you're right. Leadership needs to be able to say, I can't do all of this, nor should I do all of this. But if they do normalize, like, listen, this is what I've had to do to bring about my healing, then you can do this as well. And that's just one example. You know, there are so many other examples that can be used or modeled to show that, um, we all need to seek, you know, we all stand in need of healing. And these are ways, you know, that we can um, seek out our healing. Because if the church can normalize that, if the spiritual leadership will normalize that, then it will bring people back to church, I believe, as opposed to um, sending them away. I think about the, the, the woman with the issue of blood. All right, so there was this crowd that was pressing in on Jesus, right? (laughs) And she was like, I have dealt with this for so many years. I have gone to doctor after doctor and no one has made me better. As a matter of fact, I am now worse than I was before. But I am saying, if I can just get to Jesus in the middle of this crowd, if I can just get to him, then I know I can be healed. So if people, you know, um, looked at her and was like, oh, you know, get away or, or tried to push her away and say, you know, get away from, you know, get away from Jesus, then she would have lost this opportunity to become not only healed, but whole, as Jesus said to her. So what we have to do is we have to, as individuals who are hurting, we sometimes have to kind of be so tunnel focused on, I just have got to get to Jesus. You know, there are these many members (laughs) that are around and there are these many members 
who are, you know, looking at me funny or saying things to me or whatever the case may be. But my focus has to be solely on Jesus and Jesus alone. But we as a church have got to be able to say, you know what, in this multitude, there is somebody that is pressing to get to Christ. Are you one of the people that are hindering could be hindering this person from getting to Christ. And I do believe that Jesus held space for this woman. There was this crowd and Jesus said, somebody touched me. And Peter, I think was like, well, Lord, there's a lot of folks around. So I'm pretty sure you're gonna feel somebody brushing up against you. And he said, no, <laughs> somebody touched me because the virtue has left me. And the woman, when she realized she had been seen she fell down crying, but Jesus was like, no, baby, you, you've been made whole, my daughter. So I think that the church has to be able to give that message. And again, I think that this is part of the equipping. This is what Jesus has done. Jesus held this space. He could have just said, okay, she touched the hem of my garment. She's, she's been made whole. And he could have kept moving, but he stopped. And he acknowledged somebody here in this crowd has touched me. And I do believe that we as the church need to exemplify that probably a whole lot more and say that there is someone here that is pressing. Somebody here has this issue. And I mean, it could be, you know, the issue of um, systemic racism. It could be I deal with genderism, you know, sexism. Um, ageism, all the isms, um, it, it, whatever it is, somebody here is, is, has an expectation because this is why we come to church. We have an expectation that we're going to come and we should be able to walk away with what it is that we need or get the guidance and the direction for what it is that we need. But if we come and if the many members have hindered and not giving us this ability to kind of open up and create this space and hold the space for us to come to get what we need, then definitely we are hindering many members from becoming um, healed and being made whole. So I do believe that we do need to rethink it. We need to see what does that look like. We do need to bring in a trained professional from time to time to address um, our congregations, um, our, our groups of, of young people, it, when we have things that affect us as a community or as a people, we do the disservice when we are silent. And sometimes from the podium, we're needing to hear more than we're going to pray about this. Definitely, let's open it up. Let's close it up in prayer. But can we also open up a space for someone to come in to say, let me tell you how you can be made whole. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, one of the things, one of the reasons that our ability to deal with trauma among leadership is so limited is because a lot of leaders sometimes start churches or begin at a new church because they were traumatized in a previous situation. Right. And so their only experience with trauma has been to leave. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that's your experience with it, it's hard to train others on how to stay and work through it. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's one aspect. And, and two, I think there is when it, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, that I hear from women about um, abuse and trauma at the hands of male leadership mm -hmm. um and some boys have had that happen and then some can be flipped men, uh, women and right. and and men and women and women it's, it's it can be a plethora of different things um i think there's this when it comes to those kinds of things and when it comes to abusing power um, using God as a means to get in relationship with people mm -hmm. um, to abuse that. I think there is a sense in which we have to hold people accountable mm -hmm. um, on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? Do you think I, I heard Brian Loritz say in a, um, in a sermon 
that he was preaching at Legacy in California. And I, I've heard him tell the story, I think, another time. But he was talking about one of his friends who had kind of got MIA. And then he talked to him and he was like, what's going on? And then this is a pastor. He's talking to a pastor friend of his. And he was like, he said he sensed, like, are you cheating on your wife? And the pastor was like, yes. And he was like, okay, you got two weeks to tell her, I'm going to tell her. Mm-hmm. Wow. He gave him a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, you're not going to... He inserted himself into it because he's like, you need to be held accountable. And if you don't, if you're not held accountable, you're going to keep injuring the young lady you're with that's mm-hmm. working for you. And mm-hmm. then you're going to injure your wife and then a whole host of people mm-hmm. and so you know you got to tell her mm-hmm. or I'm gonna tell her mm-hmm. and he ended up like he followed up with him he still hadn't told her he was like you got like a day or to the end of the week and then he told her because he knew the threat of what he knew that he was really serious about it and it was imminent <laughs> so mm-hmm. he had to do it mm-hmm. and then he said he later came to him many months later because he was pissed at him for a while and said, thank you for holding me accountable. You saved basically my life and my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we don't hear enough of that. And I think many people don't have the courage to do that. Yeah. Um, I think many people don't have the courage to do that because they consider their own temptations and their own failings. Yeah. And that hems them up from doing anything or holding anybody accountable. Yeah. Um, this is none of my business kind of thing. Yeah. Um, judge not. Uh, and the Bible says that we will judge each other. We are to hold each other accountable. So mm-hmm. that scripture about judge not is taken out of context. But, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Let me do me. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing instance. Um, how do you think we could do better as Christian leaders in that? Wow. Well, I applaud his courage and his boldness for one. And and I do believe that it does start with an examining of self. It does start with that. Let me make sure I don't have anything in my eye before I'm trying to go over here and kind of pluck this out of my brothers. So I do believe that we have to do this examining of our own um, individual selves And if we do find there to be something, you know, if we're going to do this with a a degree of transparency and honesty and like, Lord, show me, you know, um, show me me, you know, examine me, um, then we have to be ready for whatever it is that the Lord may reveal to us about our fallacies and our weaknesses and our temptations and our traumas. And I do believe that we need to be diligent in taking care of ourselves first and foremost, so that yes, then when I do come and, you know, prepare to say, my brother, my sister, you have this in your eye and I am trying to help you because this is apparently, you know, clouding your vision. And let me show you what I see that you might not see if this persists, your your marriage, your life, you know, your whatever, whatever, whatever is basically hanging on by a thread. Um, So I believe that that's where it it definitely needs to start. And I do believe that, yes, again, we do have, we have this responsibility to address that member, that one member out of this many that could potentially bring harm to the entire body. I think I heard Diane Langberg um, talk about a Christian psychologist, phenomenal, brilliant woman of God, um, first and foremost, But she talked about when there is a cancer that is developing somewhere in the body. I don't care if it's in your toe or your finger, you know, or your breast or whatever other area. You want that cancer, cancerous cell to be taken um, care of, to be targeted, to be um, some kind of intervention for that before it continues to grow and take over the entire host, entire entire being. So I do believe that we do have to look at um, what keeps us 
you know, as, and as you were saying, you know, the whole, okay, well, I should mind my own business or whatever, but what does that cost? Like, what does that cost? And we do have to remember that, you know, we do, when we talk about this many members, but we're supposed to be one, one with Christ. So if we're thinking about, we understand that there are going to be many members and we understand that the many members may not always be healthy and whole, but we do have a responsibility to the entire body and that we do need to say, hey, I can address this with you. Let's, let me come over here. Let me address this with you and, and share this with you. Um, and if, as in this example that you mentioned with um, Pastor Loritz, if even if then it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go and take care of this, then okay, I will. I will, because there is more at stake than just this one, this one part. So, um, but I do believe it, it does have to start with self, because I, I do believe that if we have too much of a long ranger mentality, then that's exactly the, the position we will take will be the, it's not my business, let them do them and I'll do me. But also if we know that we are called to um, speak to the body and the many members of the body and the part of the body that could be cause of harm, I do believe that it does need to start with just examining ourselves because I do believe that as with the, the pastor um, at the church in, in Irving, uh, Irving it, it shows like, look, I'm doing my work. <laughs> I, I am doing my work. I am addressing my stuff, if you will. So therefore, this is why I am in some ways depending enabled to be able to help you to address your stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extremely, extremely helpful. Uh, I think as we consider all these things for leaders, I think that's going to be like, I think it's going to help them process. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it's very, we've, we've, I think covered it in a very layered way and a very nuanced way. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I was thinking about as you were just talking was the fact that um, for many people, they don't know how to correct and not be connected. Mm -hmm. um, so the knee-jerk reaction after hearing something like this is to correct every fault they see wrong. Every person they see doing wrong of her, they've done wrong. Yeah. And they're not connected in relationship. So yeah. note that what I was saying about Pastor Loritz, he was saying to a friend who Absolutely. he had built rapport and relationship Absolutely. and had the relational capital to yeah. call out. That's exactly right. Sometimes we go and we're the Lone Ranger in a different way. And we are the Lone Ranger and we're super critical and we're calling out everybody mm -hmm. without relationship. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's damaging too. Yeah. So we don't want to swing the pendulum one way to the other. Right. Um, their relationship has to be built um, to be in community. And I think that's the thing that I'm challenged with when I see people who are like, I don't go to church anymore. The church is not a healthy space um, because you can't or trying to correct from outdoors, trying to shout out from outdoors without being a part of the community. You, mm -hmm. When you have relational capital, it's easier to get things changed. And I'm not saying that there are some people who work diligently for years to try to change things and they never, nothing ever came out of it and they just mm -hmm. peaced out. Right. But I'm saying that we have institutions uh, in our communities that if we don't take a better um, strategy than jumping ship and yelling at the ship to correct. Um, then over time, those institutions are going to die. And then we're going to recreate things out of our traumas that usually reflect the same institutions we came out of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I'll just say this, um, that we have to we have to think about synergy. We have to think about how is it that we take these many parts and how can we bring them together in a healthy way? Um, we have a lot of fragmentation. And I think that if we don't start to look at how this is playing out, um, and, and I'm going to kind of jump and borrow from even when you did the 
the talk with the the young boys about the um, you know the questions they would have for the, the things they would want to say to their pastor, their youth pastor, and how they felt um, like disconnected. You know, fragmented. It's like, okay, we're over here and we're getting, you know, a Christian rap artist or a spoken word artist, but no one is really helping us to deal with these real life issues that we have to deal with, just like adults have to deal with. And so if we don't ever find opportunities to kind of come together and like heal some of the fragmentation and say, we need to come together as a body to hear this, to um, learn about this or to be prayed over or whatever the case may be, then we have to look at how then do we have these little pockets of so much fragmentation? Why then do we have this one long ranger who feels it is his or her need to go and, you know, criticize and be overly judgmental for everyone else. Um, but we, but we have to find ways to think about, we are many members but how is it that we can come together and how is it that we can be a healthy one body? And I do believe that that again starts with spiritual leadership has got to be thinking not, it's not only just my responsibility to preach this word and to pray over people, but also how is it that we can take these many members and how is it that we can make these many members as healthy as we possibly can so that we can function as a healthy body. Mm -hmm. And I, I think something I want to add to going back to the comment I made about justice and not getting justice, mm -hmm. uh, because I've been on the side where I felt like, okay, this, this situation isn't just, I feel like other people need to hold this person accountable. Mm -hmm. And I've also been on the side of being a friend that's been a person who's done the offending and still being in relationship with them and also having to say, okay, mm -hmm. um, I know they offended you. That doesn't mean we don't check them in private, but we mm -hmm. still hang with them in public. Okay. And so for many people, the tension there is like, I see you with this person that's done damage. Yes. I equate you with the person that doesn't hold a person accountable and amens what this person does. And it's like, what well, it doesn't necessarily mean I didn't check them in private, but I don't want to abandon them because they're still a child of God too, that needs to be loved and walk through this process with. Um, and so there's two sides to it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you're in a space where you're the, the victim of someone, mm -hmm. when you see other people with them, they almost become guilty by association and mm -hmm. they become a part of your trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then when you're on the other side, you realize, okay, Sometimes people are just trying to help this person get through because they've experienced traumas. You know, one thing that I've learned and I've talked to several people about you included is that what I had to learn from that situation is that person was very traumatized and right. never dealt with their trauma and perpetuated their trauma on other people. Absolutely. So when I understood that, I could navigate the situation better mm -hmm. because like the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then when you have friends that are, are, traumatized and you know their trauma and you see them um, hurt people because you know the background you're a little bit more gracious so I think Absolutely. it's all it's it's holding all of these things in tension yes and navigating which is a difficult part Absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah. I'll let you with the last word with that you commenting and giving your last word and how people can interact with you on social media yeah, I think I would just say to that, again, it's just having to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, I think that we we strive so hard that we we want peace and we want, you know, no suffering and we want um, the people who do the bad things to go away. And, we, you know, all of these things, we just want them moved out of the way. We don't want to see you with that person, you know, and, and, and that's our, our council culture. Isn't that how we say it? You know, the young people say, okay, I'm trying to keep the terminology, the whole council culture. You know, it's just like, there's just no absolute room. There's nothing else you can contribute to us. So goodbye. But I think that we have to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because, I mean, that's, that is going to be the life we're going to have to live is going to be intention, period. Until, you know, God comes back for us. Um, until we get a glorified state, we're going to have to learn to be comfortable with uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. So, yeah.
And how can people get in contact with you on social media? Yeah, so people can check me out on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on YouTube. They can um, find me there, message me, and hey, let's talk about equipping, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry so that we can build up the body. And what resource, what's been the best resource you read on Church Church? Woo! Um, wouldn't specifically, not necessarily Church Hurt, but talking more about church and systems, anything that Diane Langberg, Langberg has written, um, she does a lot of work with church and systemic abuse and church abuse and sexual abuse. Um, so I, she is, I, I would, she's my first go-to, my first thought um, in terms of, of, of resources. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being with us again, Dr. Gatson. And remember, register for Courageous Conversations. Um, if for you who listening, um, before I even get to the church, uh, Courageous Conversation announcement, for you who are listening and you say, why is this relevant for apologetics? I believe that more often than not, church hurt is the reason people leave church and go to other faiths. Um, it starts with church trauma. I just, my friend was telling me a story about how his friend just converted to um, Islam and it really had nothing to do with theology. Um, it had all to do with the relationship she made that she felt was healthier among the Muslim community than the Christian community. Mm -hmm. That was the sole thing that she had felt damaged by the Christian community. Yes. And so she found a community in that space. Mm -hmm. And so her deviation wasn't about really intellectual things or theology. It came about relational. And so I think, you know, as we think through that, more often than not, I hear that. Why are you a part of this? Well, the church did X, Y, and Z. I found community here that was more loving, more helpful, um, more thoughtful. And so then if we're really defending the faith, we have to deal with how we're behaving and how we're treating people um, in the body of Christ. Um, remember to register for Courageous Conversations 2019. I want to say that again. Um, take advantage of the early bird registration before June 1st um, at CourageousCombos.org or G3Project.com. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project podcast. Remember here at the G3 Project, we're helping you know what you believe and why you believe it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.G3Project.com. Com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.